Melbourne AA Steps Weekend 2016. This is Pam talking about Steps 5, 6 and 7. Hi everyone, I'm Pam, I'm an alcoholic. Hi Pam. I'm a member of the Steps in Seddon group. And uh, I'm not a... uh, I can't do you a a textbook version of Step 5, 6 and 7. I wasn't terribly good at it when when I set out some 20-odd years ago to do those steps. Uh, in fact, my, I chose my first sponsor because I'd seen that, for, that fifth step stuff and I thought I'd heard her story and it sounded quite horrific and I thought that she'd be an easy touch because she wouldn't... She, her story was a lot worse than mine so she wouldn't be shocked by anything I would tell her. So that was a... You know, I had really spiritual um, methodology in choosing a sponsor. Um... When we got around to doing, I dilly-dallied with step four and was looking for the right pen and whatever. And um, eventually what happened with step four and five was that she said to me, we're doing step five next weekend. I said, I haven't done step four yet. And she said, well, you better get a move on then, haven't you? (laughs) (laughs) And uh, so that's, you know, so I'm certainly not the prime living example of the right approach to doing step um, five and uh, to doing step five. Um, and I was, I'm probably one of those people that you know, I've heard six and seven being called the nodding steps. You say to people, have you done step you know, six and seven? And they go, yeah, done it. <laughs> How? Um, well, I've done it, you know, I've read the book, I've done it. Yeah, yeah, I've done it. So, yes, I nod at the steps, but it's taken me some while to realise that, in fact, you know, these steps are, are really pivotal. I mean, they're all, they're all important. But, you know, at step six and seven particularly, this is where I've, I've had a look at, you know, I've come from that place of being desperate, seeing that there's a way to change, and this is where I'm getting into the, the thing where I can change. So, you know, really, really pivotal steps in my recovery. And I thought of an analogy, and Greg just sort of stepped into it <laughs> there a minute ago, where I was thinking, now, now if, you're, if you're a little bit squeamish, you can close your eyes or whatever now. But I was thinking about, you know, this process, step four, is a bit like, you know, that having a look at my true self. And if I strip myself naked, this is where the squeamish bit gets. I'm not going to take my clothes off, so don't worry. Uh, um, you know, and standing in front of a mirror and looking at me, naked, saying, this is me. And say, oh, I'm still a bit goosebumpy doing that. But feeling this is this is me, without any covering, without any masks, without any flattering A-line tops to cover up the bulges, without any makeup, you know, without any haircut to hide the fact that you know whatever. This is me naked. This is uh, seeing the things that spoils, you know, my perfect body, and I can decide what I'm going to do about that. You know, I go to a, um, a skin specialist once a year and she does. She looks in places where the sun don't never shine, you know, to see whether I have any things that need fixing, whether I've got, you know, blemishes, any, you know, incipient carcinoma, skin cancers or whatever. And she can go over my body and say, well, that, you know, that's OK. I've, you know, I've got a, a spot there, but it doesn't really matter. But there are things that if she picks up that there's something that's going to you know, be harmful to me, then I need to do something about it. And 
you know, that idea of in step four I've stripped naked and in step five I go to someone who is, has, knows about this stuff and I tell them all about it, and they can perhaps point out there's bits. Um, one of the things I do with um, step, you know, I, when I first did my first step four, we didn't sort of have laptops and computers or whatever, I, you know, good old pen and paper. We did have computers, but <laughs> not in our homes. And um, n nowadays, you know, um, sponsees want to write this stuff out on, you know, on spreadsheets and all that sort of stuff. Uh-uh, not for me. Because that idea of writing pen and paper, when you've written selfish and self-seated for the 15th time, it starts to get boring. You know, no cut and paste. <laughs> it's that stuff of seeing over and over and over again those patterns. Yeah, this is, again, I'm just selfish. That's what it is. I'm selfish. Who knew, you know, that, that idea of seeing those blemishes, seeing those things that are wrong with me. I, um, you know, to, to look at that analogy that if I'm wanting to change, if I think, you know, a bit of a point here, I need to do something about it, that idea of wishing that it would change, of thinking that it would change, ain't going to happen. I have to do take some action. And, you know, one of those things of handing over to a higher power, perhaps I go to a, you know, a fitness trainer who will help me, who will help me do something about that. I still have to put in the action. I still have to want to change my behaviour. But, you know, I, ca I can be guided. And, um, you know, I have to, to do this stuff repeatedly. It's not good enough doing it. Today I'm going to be good. That was one of my things with my drinking. I used to, I could see, there's a little thing that says insight is cheap and I used to have lots of insight. I could see what I was doing wrong. And I used to have a sign above my, uh, on my desk that used to say uh, K-Y-B-M-S, which was my, you know, shorthand for me to keep me on track, which was keep your big mouth shut. I couldn't do it, <laughs> you know. That was the thing I completed. I wanted to do it, but I couldn't. I needed help. I needed that, um, you know, that higher power, that thing that came from outside me to help me do that, that I was unwilling, uh, unable, even if I was willing, to change. But I had to be willing. Um, it is no good thinking that I want to lose weight sitting there with a donut in my hand. You know, it's, it's pointless. I have to start changing my behaviour. And if I want to start living a spiritual way of life, I start to, start to have to act in a spiritual way and... How do I do that? You know, I start practising these principles. I start looking at being honest. I start looking at, at having integrity. Um, I, these steps embody all of those things, you know. We talk about practising these principles in all our affairs. By the time I get to step 12, I've learnt about these things. Here at step uh, 6 and 7 is where I'm committing to that, where I'm starting to say, I do want to do this stuff going to be hard, but I'll do it. And it's interesting that that idea of having my defects removed, you know. If I pray for patience, I suddenly don't become patient. What happens is I get in the longest supermarket queues and I get in the one where they've got to change the paper in the till and it happens inevitably. Um, I was just telling someone before I had a thing that whenever I go to the theatre, when I sit down... The person in front of me who sits down in front of me always is the tallest person in the room. They have the biggest hairdo or they, you know, whatever. I can, I'm never, I have moved and done all sorts of things, but 
It always happens. And just recently I went and there was, oh, phew, you know, sigh of relief. There was a, a mother, I think it was the ballet, and there was a mother and a child sitting in front of me. I thought, ah, oh, child, great. The child stood up through the whole bloody show. <laughs> yeah, you know, so... Um, I'm not being given patience. What I'm doing is giving lots of opportunities to develop patience. And, and that's the way it works for me. That, um, it's a slow process. It's something that I... Um, to, to achieve the peace of mind. When I came here, I was told that if I did what was suggested, I'd find something I was looking for, I'd been looking for all my life. And that was peace of mind. How do I find peace of mind? I start to live in harmony with uh, myself... And with my fellow man, you know. So how do I do that? I change my behaviour. I start taking these defects of character away that cause me all of this disharmony. And that peace of mind is something that I, you know, I really value these days. There's a, you know, quite often there's that, um, you know, how important is it, that uh, cliche, but it's, uh, you know, what price my serenity? Is this worth giving up my serenity over, you know, to get right of way in the traffic or to get my say in or to have the last word? Is it worth my, my peace of mind? And I've discovered that it isn't. Um, here is where I'm starting to learn that. Here is where I'm giving the opportunity to start to put in place in my behaviour those things that enable me to have that peace of mind. Um, you know, alcohol, as Greg said, you know, alcohol gave me that. I no longer have that as an option. And I know that alcohol gave me that briefly. I then made it worse. This stuff gets better. It gets better and better the longer I stay sober and the more I practice it. You know, I have a pretty good, calm life these days. I don't get upset very often. Um, well, my husband won't argue with that, but, you know. Um, yeah. Most of the time I have peace of mind and that's, that's a real, real miracle for someone who lives in, you used to live in perpetual anxiety and fear and anger. And you know that, um, that prayer where it says, uh, you know, in our seven-step prayer when it says, you know, remove all the defects of character that stand in the way of our usefulness to um, God and a fellow man, to me those defects, there are defects that are still there and you know, fear is one that lives with me. And every now and again I get a taste of it. Something will happen and a big dose of fear will come back. And it reminds me why I do all this stuff. It reminds me of what I used to live with. I used to live with that every day. That's how I lived my life. Every now, I can't stand ten minutes of it now. I start to want to do something about it. And uh, so that, you know, that defect, that fear that comes back periodically, to me, is useful because it reminds me of why I'm here, reminds me of why I'm doing 12-step work, it reminds me of why I do service work, reminds me of why I do a daily program. Because if I don't do that, I've got all that back there waiting for me. And I certainly don't want to go back there again. I um, know that this is about, you know, um, for me, humility. You know, the Humility is the foundation of all these steps, but these are, are areas that you know, start to bring out that humility. You know, in the fourth step, I've written all this stuff down. In the fifth step, I'm exposing it to someone else who can perhaps point out, you know, um, ten or, yeah, um, can perhaps point out, um, you know, the things that I've missed. 
it's quite difficult sometimes to go through when you're going you know that last column in the fifth step to actually figure out you know what was my mistake here and hopefully you know a sponsor is someone who is able to perhaps point those things out incidentally there's um a bit in the in that in this area here where it talks about it's on page 74 where it talks about you know how we choose the person and it talks about someone being, you know, closed-mouthed and someone, you know, who's, who understands whatever. In the, when it tells about who we're going to do the fifth step with in the big book, it, it says, you know, we can do it with clergy or whatever, which we are quite free to do. I also like to place that in historical context because when they did that, back when they wrote the big book, there weren't that many people around and people who are reading this book may have been in you know, remote places where there weren't other AA members to, to do fifth steps with or to, you know, to share with. To have a sponsor, they may be doing it long distance. And they also, you know, it wasn't a matter of just picking up a telephone and talking those days. You know, phone calls were expensive. You had to write letters. Um, so you know, it's a different context than what we've got these days. We've got you know, people to choose from that we can do the fifth step with. And for me, part of that... Um, was another big part of my recovery in that I learnt to trust the person I was doing my fifth step with. I um, developed a relationship with my sponsor, and uh, I hadn't, you know, I didn't, have, I weren't, wasn't trusting, very trusting of women, because uh, women could see straight through me. <laughs> I could do, I did my drinking with men because they were easily fooled, you know. I could. <laughs> So, uh, you know, I could put the dress on and they wouldn't know. Women knew. Um, and uh, that, you know, so that idea of getting to, to know another woman intimately, to have an intimacy that I... And I don't use that in the sexual way. I use that as in, in somebody who knew inside me, who saw the true me and who still spoke to me, who still knew me. And um, that idea of being exposed and... One of the important parts that I found, you know, people have said whether they do, you know, step four again or whatever. One of the things that I've, I've changed sponsors, I think, three times. Um, and doing a fourth step, going back over my fourth step with my sponsor, the only re- the reason for doing that is to give them a real an insight into me. Just to say, you know, this is, this is the defects I recognise in me. Um, and... It's incredible that, you know, I'll talk to my sponsor now and, and I'll be telling her about some current incident that's going on, you know, some great drama in my life and whatever, and she'll say, oh, yeah, that's that old jealousy thing. What? It's the jealousy thing, you know, we've talked about that, the jealousy thing. No, it's not. I mean, this is entirely different. It's the jealousy thing. <laughs> and we talk it through and I can say, yeah, same old, same old, here I am. You know, back at the same spot again. Or I'm doing, you know, I'm doing it again, and all of a sudden, it, you know, it looks different than what it did because I'm seeing it for what it is objectively, not as through filtered through my feelings and you know whatever. So that was a really important thing for me in doing the fifth step that I learned to develop that relationship with another woman. Now we're best of friends these days, but that's no guarantee that you know it doesn't have to be that way. It just works out that way. Um, and it used to upset me in early days, you know, when people say, oh, you know, what, how wonderful their sponsor was and how they did these things and whatever, and I'd think, well, why not me? And I thought, that's not what a sponsor's meant to be. Lucky if you get it, but that's not part of the deal. The, the deal is for a person 
who has worked through the program, someone who is willing to share their experience, strength with hope with you and share with you the pitfalls pit and, and show you the way. That's what a sponsor is. All the rest is a bonus. So, um, I think one of the things for me is with this, you know, putting step six and seven into action, uh, I just have to trust the process. I don't have to, you know, I don't expect to see results. Greg with his push-ups, you know, all oh, right, I've handed it over, you know, why haven't I changed? It's, I'm trusting the process. I say, I do it. Let's see what happens. Um, I will say my famous lines. I will just let it unfold. See what happens. See where it takes me. And if I try and this, you know, this subtle shift in my behaviour, where instead of reaching for the biggest piece of cake on the on the plate, I say you first, and hope that they take the smallest piece. But you know. <laughs> but but you know that that idea of I just have to start putting those things into place, and my life starts to change. You know, I start people react to me differently, and it's 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 builds momentum. It starts to. As I see the reaction, as I think, see things, people change in the way they treat me, I can change in the way I treat them and it grows. So I'm, I'm seeing this as an evolving thing. And, um, you know, it's leading up to into step eight and nine where I'm going to make some, you know, some big moves. But I can start to subtly look at these things now. And it's amazing. Um, there's a, a thing that I've seen about... You know, A plus B equals C. And uh, if I'm A and the other person's B and our relationship's C, I don't have to change. I used to try and change B <laughs> so that our relationship C would be different. Now I know that all I have to do is change A. If I change A, C is different, whether B stays exactly the same. And incredibly, what happens is quite often that B changes too and you end up with an entirely different relationship than you had. But it doesn't have to be. If I've changed, I'm getting that peace of mind. And it's, you know, it's that start of changing how I live, changing how I, how I relate to people. Um, just one thing, you know, we talked about uh, you know, how I... the timing and all that sort of thing, and there's... I was talking to someone the other night about... You know, there's no timetable in the big book, but in fact there is, where we say at once we did this and whatever, and, you know, with step after we've completed step five, it says, uh, you know, we return home and we take the book down from the shelf and we think about it or whatever, and then we do this stuff. It doesn't say, we, you know, we, we wait until disaster strikes again and then we figure we better get on with it or the sponsor prods us and said, have you done it yet? It's, um, it's that momentum of saying I've made the decisions I've, you know, I've gone back here with you know, people say when you, how do you know you've done step three you started on step four you know it's, how do you know you've done step four you've done, you're doing step five how do you know you've done step five you, you, yeah, and on and on it's those things of um, pushing forward all the time growing you know that's uh, what was it said this morning about they failed to enlarge their spiritual life? That's what I need to do, enlarge my spiritual life. And um, this process for me has, has 
been a continual thing. I've learnt the pro I've learnt the techniques. I've got, you know, we talk about the tools of the program. I learn the tools of the program in going through this process. I've learned how to look at myself in step four. I've learnt how to talk to another person in step five. I've learnt how to um, surrender myself in steps six and seven and to, and to pray about it. I've learnt to do amends and whatever in step eight and nine. And so when I'm doing step nine, ten and eleven, I actually have some tools at my disposal. Okay, I've got to deal with my resentments. How do it? How do I do it? I can look at what I did in step four and go through that process again with my current resentments. And, you know, I've got those things at my disposal all the time. So they're not things that I've done and discarded. They're things that I can keep in my toolbox forever. Um, yeah. I don't know whether I've said anything that I put jotted down here, but it's just something that I read um, you know, that just yesterday that really struck me and I thought, you know, this, this to me is step six and seven, that it says you, um, you can't open a flower with a hammer. And I thought, yeah, that's step six and seven. I can't change by forcing myself to do it, by forcing me to be different. I tried that, you know, in my drinking days of trying to be different and I will be different and using willpower and forcing it. It didn't work. When I gave up, when I surrendered, when I do the things that are suggested, when I open myself up and allow God to do the work, I open up. So here we are, little petal opening up. <laughs> Information about the annual Melbourne AA Steps Weekend is available from www.stepsweekend.aagroup.org.au. Thanks for letting us share.